Welcome to the AWS Rethink Podcast, here to help you rethink your strategy in the cloud. I'm your host, Nolan Chen. And I'm your host, Malini Chatterjee. Artificial intelligence has been top of mind this past year, but AI would not be possible without special computer chips known as accelerators. Today, we talk with Matthew McLean, a senior manager solutions architect from AWS's Annapura team to talk about accelerators, GPUs, and the computer chips that make AI possible. Welcome, Matthew. Yeah, thanks for being having me. Really great to be here. Before we begin, Matthew, can you tell us more about your background and what do you do here at AWS? Yeah, sure. So I've been with AWS uh, just over 11 years. Uh, I started in AWS in Dublin, Ireland, uh, working for the AWS support organization. Uh, and then I moved to the partner organization uh, as a solution architect uh, and also then uh, changed role uh, as a, to a solution architect manager. Um, and then after a few years, I wanted to really focus on my passion, which I actually studied uh, way back uh, in university days, uh, which is neural networks, since deep learning and machine learning were you know, really becoming popular again. Uh, so I changed to lead the uh, field uh, specialist uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning team for Europe, Middle East and Africa. Uh, I did that for a couple of years. Uh, and then in uh, 2022, uh, it was in 22, I changed roles and moved here to the US, to the Bay Area. And I'm now leading the Annapurna ML solution architecture and prototyping team. So basically my team, we help our strategic customers onboard to AWS Trainium and InFrancia. So we kind of take their models, uh, we port, they help them port uh, these models for both training and inference uh, to training and preacher uh, to get the best uh, price performance that they can in the cloud today. Wow, amazing journey. So Matthew, let's start from, you know, what are basically accelerators? Are they the same as GPUs, TPUs? Can you elaborate a little bit about the history of Annapurna since you brought that up. Yeah, sure. So maybe I can start with the history of Annapurna. So Annapurna was a startup um, headquartered in Israel uh, and was acquired by AWS back in 2015. So in uh, the initial engagement actually Annapurna had with AWS was they were delivering these specific hardware cards called Nitro cards um, um, to EC2 instances. And essentially what these Nitro cards are doing is a lot of virtualization offloading. So offloading a lot of the sort of security, um, the networking, and, and now they actually do storage um, offloading. So basically going to free up the CPUs that you see in, a, in, in an instance for customers. So this was an issue, and, and Annapurna did such a good job in delivering this Nitro product that AWS decided to acquire them, uh, as I mentioned, back in 2015. Uh, so Annapurna now has, is, is part of AWS uh, and has essentially three lines of business. So we still um, deliver the Nitro card. So in every single EC2 instance that uh, it gets delivered, uh, you'll have a Nitro card. So again, doing a lot of the uh, virtualization offloading, security networking, and storage. 
Uh, so that's one you know, uh, part of the business. Uh, the second part of the Annapurna business is to deliver the Graviton chips. So Graviton is essentially an alternative uh, chip architecture for just running general purpose um, uh, servers. Uh, so it's an alternative to running Intel x86 or AMD. Uh, mm -hmm. These are ARM-based um, processors, so you know you may have to recompile, but they give you know really great performance and at a much a lower price point compared to uh, yeah alternative chip architectures. So that's the second line of business for Annapurna, and I'm part of the third line of business, which is the Annapurna Labs ML team. Um, so we deliver the AWS Trainium and AWS Inferentia, uh, custom or purpose-built silicon for uh, machine learning. And we deliver them uh, via the uh, tier N1, uh, inf one and inf 2 uh, EC2 instances. Uh, so, yeah, so that's the part of the team that I'm involved in. And, yeah, we basically launched our first offering, uh, AWS Inferentia, in 2019, uh, so we started with inference uh, because a lot of customers wanted to reduce cost. So a, a good way to reduce cost is to focus on inference because that's where a lot of the uh, deployments uh, of these machine learning workloads is actually more deployments and in inference than say training. So we focused on inference first um, and we've evolved and, and uh, you know um, have our second generation uh, chip offering. Uh, that's where we launched uh, in Tranium so the TRN1 instances in, in 2022. And then early 2023, uh, we took a, the same kind of generation, uh, chip generation architecture, second generation architecture, and launched AWS Inferentia 2 uh, so in early 2023. So giving, and these both, uh, Tranium and Inferentia 2, are really focused on generative AI uh, use cases. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, your large language models, you know, your chat, you know, if you've used services such as uh, ChatGPT or BARD, uh, you know, some of, you know, customers want to deploy uh, these kind of models uh, and uh, create, you know, creates a good sort of chat assistance, code assistant kind of applications or uh, applications such as uh, generating images, so stable diffusion kind of models, where you you know put a, a text prompt in and it will generate an image. You've probably seen these sort of really awesome examples of uh, stable diffusion, for example, is the uh, is, is is also a popular generative AI use case. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So so is it a good assumption to say that accelerators are you know what has enabled a lot of what we see today all about uh, artificial intelligence training and inferencing as you were saying that inferences were the major focus uh, that has been so can we summarize it that way yeah, I mean, the whole, you know, generative AI and, and machine learning, what we can kind of say, um, uh, rebound or, you know, it's not really revolution because, you know, machine learning is not new, right? It's been around since right. the 50s, but it's been, you know, really in the, um, you know, become super popular uh, since I would say 2012, right? And one of the key reasons for that is that, uh, you know, the computation, so the compute, um, to run these, uh, train these models and run them has really kind of caught up. 
And that was, you know, initially with GPUs uh, back in 2012. So the, the sort of the breakthrough model um, you know, for computer vision was called AlexNet. You know, one of the key innovations on that particular model is that they ran it on a GPU, right? So the GPUs provided, you know, a lot more uh, computational power uh, to train this model compared to what you could do on a, you know, just a standard CPU. So really accelerators, you can say, are, are one of the key fundamental, you know, building blocks for this whole, you know, generative AI and, and deep learning and machine, you know, artificial intelligence uh, revival uh, over the last, you know, decade or so. Absolutely. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, it kind of comes down to, I would say, two core things. One is the amount of um, computations needed, right? So mm -hmm. when you're training or, or doing inference on these models, you know, basically they get, you know, these models get boiled down to uh, linear algebra, you know, uh, computations, right? Uh, and the most sort of compute intensive um, operation is the matrix multiplication. Um, so if you do it on a you know, CPU today, you will get, you know, um, not the best performance, right, uh, needed to, to run these matrix multiplications. But on accelerators, so, you know, the ones that we have, and you know, what you get in, in others like GPUs and TPUs, you know, they're really designed to accelerate these matrix multiplication operations. So doing mm -hmm. it, you know, thousand times quicker than you can do on a, on a, on a traditional sort of CPU architecture. Um, so that's, you know, a key reason why uh, the, yeah, the, um, you know, there's a lot of hype around it because of, of the capabilities that accelerators provide. Thanks, Matthew. So you already talked a lot about GPU. I just want to uh, just clear something. Is a GPU a type of accelerator or are they two different things? What's the relationship between GPU and accelerator? Yeah, so a, a GPU, I would say, is a type of accelerator. Uh, it is, um, you know, a GPU was a, a originally designed for, you know, graphics um, kind of workloads. So it's not, I would say, absolutely purpose built for uh, machine learning or deep learning kind of workloads. Um, they've obviously adapted, you know, the architectures evolved and, you know, companies like NVIDIA have done a great job, um, but it's not, absolutely designed from, you know, should we say day one for deep learning uh, workloads. Uh, and that's probably the, where the differences with what we're building with AWS Inferentia and, and Trainium is that we're designing these chips to be really only focused on deep learning workloads. So uh, if you look at the architecture, you know, the big uh, it's comprised of different engines, and, and one of the big engines is essentially the Tensor engine, which does those matrix multiplications, and, and is really super designed to speed uh, those operations up. Okay, thanks. And earlier you talked about how it sounds like accelerators are particularly great at speeding up matrix multiplication and doing linear algebra applications. Uh, but for the customer that uh, just wants to do machine learning, what type of specific machine learning or AI workloads need Accelerator? Is it all types of AI workloads, or are there some in particular that you really need Accelerators? Yeah, I would say deep learning uh, workloads need Accelerators because they really uh, typically have you know, the, the model sizes are large, right? So they have mm -hmm. between sort of millions to billions of parameters in these models. Um, so at that kind of scale, right, if you're doing these large matrix 
uh, multiplications, you know, you, you can really only, um, especially when you're, you're training these models, uh, do it effectively using an accelerator. Uh, there are other types of models like, um, you know, say random forests or booster trees and that's, that actually work really well on CPUs today. There's, there's maybe no need to use accelerators. But what we see today is, you know, most, you know, certainly all generative AI architectures. So if you're training, a, say, a large language model for a chat kind of application or, or a, a model to, you know, generate images from text, you know, these are all deep learning models and, and really, you know, need uh, an accelerator to, to work effectively. Okay. So would it be fair to say that a general purpose CPU can do the same thing, but it would just be way too slow? But yeah, yeah, that's correct. So there's nothing theory could do the same from thing. A, that's correct. Okay. So there's nothing lacking from a functionality point of view on a CPU. It's just, you know, those computations take a lot, lot longer uh, than, than they do on an accelerator. Okay. Well, and, well I'm not a I'm not a chip designer, but I'm curious, would you be able to explain, you know, at a high level architecturally how accelerator chips are differently than CPUs? Sure. So the, uh, so yeah, the core idea with an accelerator, as I mentioned, is it really needs to accelerate those linear algebra uh, operations. Uh, and the, the main one that and it makes most of the it takes up most of the what we call teflops, right? Um, uh, which is the you know the the measure of how fast your uh, computation engine is. Um, so the number of floating point operations per second essentially is what the teflops uh, refers to. Um, they're a lot, lot higher in, in accelerators, and especially for those uh, matrix multiplication operations than than a CPU. So we have that, and that's about. I would say, let's say 95% of the, the floating point operations um, in a, in a, you know, when you are training or doing inference on a model is in the matrix multiplication, um, the matrix multiplication operations. Uh, but there are other, also other operations which get accelerated. So for example, uh, when you're um, uh, running your, uh, um, you model through, for example, an activation function, they things like a ReLU or a sigmoid or a TANH kind of function that's also accelerated uh, when you're uh, doing operations such as calculating the mean of a tensor or the, uh, the max and so forth. We have specific uh, pooling engines and as well as a vector engine, uh, which also can manipulate a specific ten you know, vector, uh, which is basically a, you know, uh, a list of floating point numbers. So these are all kind of part of uh, the uh, computations to really speed up. Um, yeah, whereas a CPU is just very general purpose, you know, reading from memory, doing uh, the operations and writing back to memory uh, through the cache. So it doesn't have all these kind of optimized uh, engines for those different operations. Yeah, thanks, Matthew, for explaining that uh, difference, how accelerators work a bit differently than the general uh, CPUs. Um, I'm not, again, an expert in this field, so it would be um, interesting to learn. Do we need to write special kinds of software in order to take advantage of the accelerators? Uh, the example that you were providing, right? That, uh, you know, you have some metrics multiplication or you have some of those uh, uh, deep ne neural network models to run. How do I actually take advantage of the accelerators? Uh, 
Yeah, great question. So that's one of the real benefits of using our solution is that from an end user point of view, they mean to make little or no code changes, right? So uh, we support the most popular machine learning frameworks such as PyTorch. PyTorch is our um, main uh, mm -hmm. framework that we support today. Uh, so in many cases, customers can just bring their existing you know, model code written in say PyTorch uh, and it should work. And, and the way that that works is that, you know, one of the key, uh, you know, uh, parts of what we deliver as well as not only the hardware, but we also develop uh, compiler software, right? Which is, it actually does all of the magic of taking uh, your model code, uh, written in say PyTorch, and converting mm -hmm. that into the low-level machine instructions that get, you know, executed on our, you know, purpose-built accelerators. So yeah, so that is is, is really uh, so we actually have a you know a large team um, compiler team uh, that actually you know does that job and and that's actually where we can get a lot of the uh, performance optimizations is is by you know optimizing the the way that we compile these models down to those low level instructions. Uh, so we want to do things, you know, in the compiler world, we talk about things such as, you know, fusing operators, uh, we, we're tiling. So to basically all of these things try to um, ensure that these, you know, compute engines are kept as busy as possible, right? So a lot of the, the magic is, you know, moving uh, data from memory you know, to be close to the chips and, you know, uh, organizing that data in a way that, yeah, as I said, we're keeping these engines occupied. Um, so yeah, so so that a lot of this is hidden away from the end user. Um, mm -hmm. and they essentially just need to run a, a command to compile the model uh, and they'll have essentially an artifact, which is those low level machine instructions that get executed on these engines on the accelerator. Got it, got it. So I did hear you mentioning about the three different kinds of accelerators uh, that AWS offers. Can you elaborate on those three different kinds and you know why they are unique from each other? Sure. Uh, so yeah, we, so at the, we have training and entrenching. So uh, these are, as I said earlier, really purpose-built accelerators really designed for to run deep learning models. So to do accelerate those matrix multiplications and all the linear algebra operations needed uh, to train or, or, or do inference on a deep learning model. Um, we also offer uh, in AWS the uh, GPU-based instances. So we have, for example, the P5, which is based on the H100 uh, GPU from NVIDIA, uh, or the P4 uh, DE and ND, uh, which are based on the A100 uh, GPUs. And we've also in the past supported, you know, some of the previous uh, generation of uh, of uh, GPUs. And then uh, another way, uh, you know, customers can for we say the uh, smaller models or models that, um, you know, don't need, you know, acceleration of, of linear algebra kind of computations as Graviton, uh, which is our ARM-based uh, purpose-built um, uh, chip, um, which can run kind of general purpose workloads. So it can run your, like your web servers, your database servers, you know, anything which is kind of general purpose uh, is a really good, um, uh, um, really good option for a lot of customers. Thanks, Matthew. So 
given these choices we have, let's say a customer has decided they want to use AWS as their AIML platform uh, without picking like a particular chip, but what kind of questions do they have to ask first or what requirements do they need to review before they commit to choosing a particular GPU or, or Tranium or Inferentia? Yeah, so um, first it really starts with the kind of the workload and the model type. So I would say if, you know, you have a deep learning kind of model, uh, it's definitely worth taking uh, a look at training and inferential. So if you're training a, for example, large language model, something like Llama 3, Llama 2, uh, Mistral, um, uh, these kind of models, uh, which are open source models, uh, then it's definitely worth, you know, taking a look at training in French. Uh, you know, we offer, um, you know, very good price performance, uh, you know, because the, these machines, are, since they're purpose-built, they consume a lot of power. They're, they're really uh, complex from an engineering point of view. They, they, they can be uh, expensive to run. So we really, you know, uh, one of the key tenants on training in French here is want to lower the costs, or lower the uh, entry uh, barrier to, uh, uh, adopting these kind of services. So definitely worth checking out uh, training and Inferentia. Also for if you're running, say, uh, stable diffusion workloads. And even if you're training your um, kind of simple, uh, say, sentence classification kind of models, uh, they typically use what we call a transformer-based architecture like BERT. Uh, these are also very uh, uh, good uh, models and, and applications to try out with training and friendship. Um, yeah, uh, so that's, I would say, the starting point. Um, obviously, GPUs are, are very, very popular. Um, so they're, they're also good because um, they are so popular, you know, it can be challenging to uh, get hold of, of these instance types, right? So so that's another reason why, you know, we're often training in friendship just to give uh, customers a choice and, and to actually get access, right, to accelerators to run their workloads. Uh, and then finally, if, you know, if you're running your, you know, booster trees or your random forest, kind of your little mobile, we kind of call them shallow kind of networks, right? Uh, not so large, then definitely worth um, checking out Graviton. And especially, you know, for the inference side, um, that can be a really good option uh, to, to run your machine learning workload. Okay, well... I mean, I can guess by the name, Tranium is for training and Inferentia is deploying the models to do inference from. If a customer decides to choose an accelerator, a GPU accelerator that was not designed by Amazon, but still offered on our platform, is it is it the same chip for training and inference as well? Or is it usually different? Uh, yeah, so... So the, 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 maybe I can talk a little about the naming of Tranium and Inferentia. So uh, the Tranium is a, and so, so the um, difference between them is one, it's, it's more designed for something, but it doesn't mean it's only exclusively for that particular task. So Tranium ah, okay. is uh, designed for training uh, simply because we put a lot of, uh, not only, you know, so the actual, the chips are actually quite similar between them, but the, the difference is actually at the server level. Uh, so the connectivity between these um, uh, accelerators uh, and the networking, so typically when you're doing training, you're training a large model, you're actually training on a cluster of instances rather than on a single instance. Uh, 
Uh, mm-hmm. And it needs really high bandwidth, low latency networks. So it's basically a, a high performance computing cluster that gets set up. And in fact, with training, we can we can uh, launch clusters, what we call ultra clusters, up to 30,000 devices in a single cluster. Um, so for these really large models, it needs, you know, a lot of scale, a lot of instances to, you know, get the, you know, uh, speed up essentially the training time, right, to train these models. Um, so the combination of how these chips are connected in the box, plus the high bandwidth, low latency EFA networking that connects these instances together. So we have, for example, up to 1600 uh, gigabits per second for the training instance. You know, that, that's the inter uh, instance connectivity to really allow you to, you know, uh, train, train large models. Uh, Inferentia is more uh, designed for inference because you don't need this, you know, really high bandwidth, low latency networking between the instances because you typically can fit a model on a single instance. Um, so we don't need the, you know, the, the same networking bandwidth. And also the uh, connectivity between the, the chips, you know, is slightly different. So think of inferentia more of a lower cost because cost is kind of the key metric uh, when customers consider for, you know, deploying their models uh, because it can actually, for in some cases, be the biggest cost item, right? Um, so customers will, will look at, you know, various ways to, to lower cost. So inferentia uh, is, um, yeah, uh, lower cost, lower power as well. So it allows us to deploy uh, the instance type in a lot more of our regions. Um, uh, yeah, which again, uh, uh, helps drive the cost down. So that's kind of the key, but you can actually do inference on, on, a, on a training based instance or training on an inferentia uh, based uh, instance. It's just, they're not designed for that, right? So, so that's, that, that's the key difference. Yeah, thanks, Matthew. Uh, that's a lot of information. Um, where can actually customers get started? How do they learn more about accelerators? And you know, when they have a machine learning uh, use case, uh, how do they decide where to get started? Which accelerator option does make sense for them? How do, does a customer get started? Can you sh- start, uh, share some information on that, Matthew? Sure. So, I, you know, we had our recent, you know, big conference uh, in Las Vegas called reInvent. Uh, I'm sure many of the listeners um, have, have heard of uh, the reInvent conference. So there we had many sessions uh, on AWS Training and Inferentia. Uh, and also on all the different, you know, uh, accelerator options that AWS provides. So we can definitely uh, provide a, a link, I think, in, in the show notes uh, to some of the talks, um, so people can, you know, go deeper uh, on uh, on each of these accelerator options. Uh, we also have a comprehensive documentation page, uh, and this provides some nice getting started guides, tutorials. So it'll show you essentially how to take a popular open source model. Uh, train it and also deploy it uh, on to AWS Training and Friendship. So definitely we'll put a, a link to that documentation. Uh, and it also has links to samples. So you can, for example, download sample notebooks and kind of run them uh, on an instance and, uh, yeah, assess, you know, if that meets your particular use case. Um, 
another good resource is we're actually uh, collaborating very closely with Hugging Face. Uh, so Hugging Face is a very popular open source library for uh, deploying these uh, deep learning models, generative models, like large language models. Uh, mm -hmm. So a lot of these based on uh, kind of this transformer-based architecture. So they have this library called Transformers. So we've been collaborating with Hugging Face to develop a library called Optimum Neuron which is essentially is an optimized version of their very popular open source library called Transformers. And it's been adapted for our purpose-built accelerators, training and inferential. Uh, so there we have, you know, on the documentation page, we have an examples of how to deploy a kind of a chatbot service, how to deploy a stable diffusion model to generate images from text uh, and other examples. Um, so if you are a user of the Hiking Face Transformers library, then I definitely recommend, you know, checking out Optimum Neuron is a great way to, and it's a really kind of simple in terms of, you know, changing code and using this library because it has all the familiar APIs uh, that many customers are used to and using the Hiking Face Transformers library. Uh, it's a really great, easy, easy onboarding uh, step to, to learning more about training and inferential. Thanks, Matthew. We'll, we'll definitely include those resources you listed in the show notes. And that, that brings us to the end of our podcast today. So definitely like to thank you very much. You've provided a lot of great information on accelerators. And I think you've definitely helped our customers rethink their accelerator strategy in the cloud. Yeah, great. Thanks for having me. We would also like to thank our listeners for joining us today. Please send us your feedback by emailing us at rethinkpodcast at amazon.com. Thank you. Until next time.